You're listening to Once, episode 154, season 3 disc review. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Aaron J. I'm Hunter Hathaway. And I'm Jacqueline. We've got the entire gang here because we're going to be talking about the season three complete set that's available on DVD and Blu-ray already. If you haven't purchased it yet, please go to onespodcast.com slash season three and you can purchase that. Jeremy and I already did a little unboxing video for you that will also be in the show notes for this episode at onespodcast.com slash 154 if you want to watch us have fun with that. But we've watched the extras now, and we're here to then discuss them. So the commentaries, did anyone else get a chance to watch the commentaries? I did. So we've got only four episodes with commentaries. That's Lost Girl, (laughs) Thank Lovely Thoughts, The Jolly Roger, And there's no place like home. Jacqueline, uh, what was your favorite? I think my favorite was probably Think Lovely Thoughts, episode 308. Because that was probably one of my favorite episodes of the season. So it was nice to hear some commentary on it. Well, you are Rumpel's girl. And that's the episode that has commentary with Robert Carlyle, David H. Goodman, and Robert Hull. It's always good to hear Bobby Carlyle speak. (laughs) In his full accent, which... I realized in watching some of these extras is very like not full accent in the show. Yeah, he masks a lot of that Scottishness. Yeah. By the way, the other commentary for episode 302, Lost Girl, the commentary was with Andrew Chambliss and Kalinda Vasquez. 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 Thank you. They're the writers uh, of the episode. That's what I'm here for. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on disc four, episode 317, The Jolly Roger, commentary with Colin O'Donohue and David H. Goodman. And then episode 322, the finale of season three, was with Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz talking about There's No Place Like Home. And I liked some of the perspectives that we get with the commentary, but honestly, sometimes it's a little bit disappointing because they're just saying, This is happening, and this is happening, and that's mm-hmm. happening. And oh, yeah, this is happening. I love episode commentaries usually, and they always make jokes about like, yeah, if you're one of the eight people watching this commentary, you'll be happy to hear blah, blah, blah. But I think they don't realize how much people really like good commentaries. And I loved the season one commentaries so much. Yes. And now they're not really doing the actors. Like they did have Bobby Carlyle and Colin O'Donohue. But they're not really doing the actors in them anymore. And that that is disappointing to me. I like the actors' stories that they tell about filming the episode. Over at the forums, when we got the list of commentaries initially, one of the big reactions was that we weren't quite sure why it was these episodes. Because they always tend to pick sort of the big significant episodes. So we were surprised that they didn't do... 301, The Heart of the Truest Believer, yeah. or 311, Going Home, yeah. or even the episode Ariel, <laughs> because you, you really would have thought that they would have brought in Joanna Garcia to sort of talk about playing Ariel, since that was such a big moment for the show. 
Well, they gave her her own segment as a special on the discs. Right. True. Right. That's true. But it just kind of seemed like these were sort of random episodes, except for the final one, because that one makes sense. But yeah, they felt like a little random. They may have recorded some commentaries that just didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Based on how some of them actually do go. I do remember asking one of the actors from one of the shows um, that I used to watch on Twitter why they weren't having commentaries anymore. Because on that show, they had them in season one and two, and then they totally stopped having them. And they basically said that ABC is cutting out special features like to save money, so they're not doing as many anymore. And I agree. like it's Those are really random episodes unless... Like, I could totally understand doing a Lost Girl commentary if Jennifer Morrison was in it. Mm -hmm. Because that was, you know, one of her, like, huge episodes for this season. But to have that commentary and not have her in it and have it be that episode kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. Although, when you look at how much work it takes to make a commentary, then it's maybe a little bit more understandable why they can't get the actors to do it. Because here they have to have some members of the cast, probably some writers, although in the first season they did have Jenny and Josh do commentary together without any writers, but you have to get these people together in the same place to watch at the same time and record it in a studio. So it does complicate things. Maybe during a time when everyone is on break while the discs are being produced or they're in the process of filming other stuff and can't be bothered I can see reasons, but it is still disappointing. And speaking of disappointing, (laughs) one of the (laughs) biggest... That is not a segue to our sponsors. (laughs) I'll do that later. (laughs) But one of the biggest disappointments with this whole collection of extras for me is, like Jeremy brought out in our unboxing video, the actual case to the DVD and Blu-ray set sweeps over the whole neverland story in a sentence if you've if you're picking these up in the store and you've never watched once upon a time and you're trying to catch up or if you're reading the description that goes into online stores like amazon you you start reading and immediately half the season is spoiled for you because they just they talk about the end of the neverland half and just launch into kind of a description of the second half and not only that but they tell you who zelena is and the whole thing It's really weird. Yeah. And in all of the extras, Peter Pan was never talked about. Right. Yeah. And he was was really disappointing because Robbie Kay did such an incredible job playing Peter Pan. I mean, of the two between Pan and Zelina, I preferred Peter Pan quite a bit as a villain. And for him not to make any of of the features that be talked about was very strange. It makes me wonder if maybe there was some kind of thing that the copyright holders for Peter Pan did not like about how Once Upon a Time treated Peter Pan. Mm. And thus they said something like, we're not going to let you do this anymore. Or maybe like Robbie Kay's agent or I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. In some ways it was almost like they had just moved on so far having the hiatus and going on to the Wicked Witch business. Right. That it was almost like they just forgot they talked about zelena in the specials they had commentary they even had rebecca mater doing some of the commentary on i mean not episode commentary but she was interviewed for a couple things yeah but nothing about peter pan right and so on the one hand you're like you could think well they're probably getting these dvds ready and blu-rays whatever the discs ready 
as they're finishing the filming of season three. So that's that's fine. But at the same time, they know they're going to release it. So, you know, you might record a few uh, maybe Robbie K interview moments while you've got him there. I don't yeah. know. Not that I want to sit here and criticize how they do their jobs, but we missed it. <laughs> I know they probably strike the whole set for Neverland, but beforehand, wouldn't it be cool to have like a tour of like the camp and everything? Yeah. And they had a camera crew there to do Joanna Garcia's first day. So that was in the Neverland part, not yep. the Oz part. So I feel like the DVDs are getting more and more expensive for less and less content. Do you guys get the sense that maybe their filming schedule is somehow more cramped or crazier than even, say, Lost or something like that? I don't know what Lost's filming schedule was like but, I mean, they're doing about an episode every nine days. And they've been sticking with that for a while. But, you know, this was the first time that they've had, what do we have, like three months off in between seasons or arcs. So True. But I don't think our hiatus affected their regular schedule. No, they were back on set. Because they had to finish early because of Jennifer Goodwin's yeah. uh, baby <laughs> coming, <Yeah>. I'm guessing. <laughs> Yeah, and also when you're comparing this show to Lost, this show has a lot more special effects that need to be done and handled. A lot more green screen shooting. That is true. A lot more things that they have to do. A lot fancier stuff, too, with costume design, set production, all of that. Lost was pretty much, okay, let's just film in a jungle. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I know. There, I don't want to spoil it for anyone else, but there is a plane at some point in Lost. Uh, they had to include that, too. But, There's an underwater thingamabob, too. Oh, no, that's that's gone too far. <laughs> we call that a Don't corpse. spoil it. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, that's fine, because we're talking about Once Upon a Time. Yeah. I only ask because there have been other shows in the past that I've seen. It, it seems like there are moments where the cast maybe grabs a camera or some... Who knows, some camera person is following some cast member around and they kind of make their own little special feature that gets included yeah. on the side or something like that. Maybe it takes too many discs. Maybe it's a production cost thing. I don't know. Well, yeah, these prob- are this stuff all discs. fascinates me. Like the wise, because, you know, they don't even do the podcast anymore, which I miss well. As well, the, the host of the podcast, Estelle Magecki, mm-hmm. no longer works with ABC. So maybe they just decided, well, we can't find another host. <laughs> Maybe. You know, we've recommended Jacqueline is available to co-host the official Once Upon a Time podcast. <laughs> this is true. On the ABC show Scandal, they have a Josh Molina, the actor, brings like a, a handheld camcorder to the set every, you know, once a week. He releases like a three or four minute long video. And it that's like it's behind the scenes special features. And then they still do their scandal revealed podcast which is the same it's an abc official podcast and their executive producer is the estelle mcgecki of that so i was thinking like they should get jane espenson to do it because she would be really good at that going back to the commentaries what i really want to hear more of is that behind the scenes stuff not just commenting on what's happening but the stories behind what's happening like in the commentary for the jolly roger David H. Goodman talked about that scene where Emma was being trained by Regina and she falls off the rope bridge and then erects this thing out of all of the pieces from the bridge to raise her back up. They said that in the script originally, it was going to be that she conjured up a dragon 
And that's how she came back up. And their production design team and everybody decided to change that around. They had other different ideas. <laughs> Wonder why. <laughs> that kind of stuff is really cool to hear. Or also, like in the commentary for the finale, Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz were talking about how they swore after Lost that they wouldn't do any time travel. But then they did this. And now they're saying, we're not going to ever do time travel again. Yeah, see, I don't. I, I hate things that remind me that they haven't planned the story out ahead of time. Yeah, I do. Yeah, the writers' room spoof, if you will, was not reassuring for that same reason. <laughs> it was. It was really cute, though. I really like. I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. it. It was funny, and it was the writers are good actors. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them. Some. <laughs> but yeah, re- really cute, really creative, really fun. And speaking of cute, creative, and fun, so are you if you've donated to this podcast. We really appreciate your support, especially during the summer months when we've been not podcasting as much. And we have really appreciated the support. It keeps the podcast running, keeps the website running. So big thanks to all of the following donors to this episode of One's Podcast. Lisa Slack, Steve Johnson, David Newland, Kelsey Hunt, Laura Silva, Lori Hancock, Tappenbird, DJ Firewolf, Marianne Lavati, and our Patreon backers. We're at $16.50 per episode over at Patreon. We've got several different ways that you can donate to the podcast. If you'd like, you can donate on a per episode basis, on a monthly basis, or just an individual single donation. So if you'd like to donate to the podcast and help support what we're doing and help us keep doing this even better each time, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And again, big thanks to all of our supporters and Patreon backers. We couldn't do this without you. So let's talk about the writer's room. (laughs) I was very educated in this segment. How's that? I learned that I am an unexpected villain. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I wondered if you would notice that. Oh, I noticed. I noticed. So describe it. (laughs) So they had a list behind on the white wall behind. I don't even know who that guy was. Uh, that was David H. Goodman. Okay, the they had shirt. a white wall behind David H. Goodman that had all of this stuff written on it. And the first thing I noticed was under unexpected villains, the first category was puppies and toddlers. So <laughs> I decided to rewind and pause and figure out what else was written there. And they wrote puppies, toddlers, the elderly, flowers, home furnishings, pretty ladies, and Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> so... I I totally understand why Canadians would be an unexpected villain. We're very polite. We say sorry all the time. (laughs) We're we're really super nice. Like, we might hold the door open for you, but then maybe we might slam it in your face. So, you know, (laughs) that's unexpected. All my life has been a series of doors in my face. (laughs) (laughs) It's only the start, folks. (laughs) Just warming up. By the way, wait. The... The whole thing that we're talking about is this part that's the exclusive feature on the Blu-ray. It's called Inside the Writer's Room, but you'll be able to find it on YouTube illegally at some point, and it might be available on iTunes at some point. But on the case for the Blu-ray, it says, Blu-ray exclusives inside the writer's room, enter the writer's secret chambers and discover how the magic happens. It also lists deleted scenes as exclusives on the Blu-ray. But it also lists that underneath that. So I can't tell what 
deleted scenes are on the Blu-ray that aren't on the DVDs because they're all kind of bunched together. But we'll talk more about the deleted scenes in a moment. The other stuff, I froze frame on several things as I watched the frozen screen. Hmm? Frozen? What? Yeah. Hmm. I <laughs> took notes. I spent about an hour on this video that's this, what is it, three or four minutes something video? The writer's room. I spent an hour on it getting all of the text on all of the whiteboards on the background. And there is some <laughs> great stuff. They've got one list that says villains already died, I think it said, or tried. It says Evil Queen, Rumpelstiltskin, Maleficent, hard to spell, Peter Pan, <laughs> Wicked Witch of West, plus Monkeys, Monkeys, Monkeys. Oh, gosh. <laughs> then another list, not really villains. It says Frankenstein, Misunderstood, Wolf, Earns Minimum Wage as Waitress, Hook, <laughs> Sexy, Billy Goats, Merely Gross. <laughs> Burning Red Room, Stupid. I mean, what? <laughs> and then a list of oh, personal <laughs> nemeses. Snow White, Apple, Red Riding Hood, Mange, Granny, <laughs> Health Inspector, Jiminy Cricket, Pesticide, Fairies, uh, slash Nuns. I couldn't quite read what it said, but it was spread something. <laughs> a bell. It was illiteracy, but then it was crossed out and spelled properly. Uh, <laughs> for dwarves, it said tall shelves. Sleeping Beauty was caffeine. And there were also a couple others. I couldn't read all that was there, but uh, there was Cinderella, I think Prince Charming. I couldn't see what else was there. They also had a list of rejected potential villains. Godzilla, Loki, racism, T-Rex, <laughs> wage disparity, loss of net neutrality, non-canon productions, Ebola, <laughs> witches, domestic spying, the butler from Aristocats, <laughs> Meteor, <laughs> Sharks, and it, there was a little line drawn that said uh, connection between Sharks and Meteor. Nice. <laughs> Unemployment, and there was a line connecting it with wage disparity, and it said <laughs> connection, question mark, the devil, and poor body image. <laughs> and next to this was a little note in a different color that said pure good candy. Oh, they forgot about Cinnabon. Oh, Cinnabon and pizza. Yeah. Cheesy pizza that doesn't lie. Right. <laughs> I feel like somebody did all of that work just because they knew that we would freeze frame the podcast <laughs> yes. and read it all. And you would probably not be able to read this on the DVD. It was because we got the Blu-rays, courtesy of ABC and Disney. Thank you, by the way, Disney. But because of having the Blu-rays, we could see this in the high definition. It's written small and hard to read. We also have Ways to Battle Evil. Snow White, Arrows, Regina, and Emma, Magic, Belle, Pluck. What? Yeah, she Pluck. battles magic with Pluck. Uh, She's oh. Plucky. Plucky. Oh. Dr. Whale, Swarm, Jiminy, Appeal to Conscious, Granny, Conscience. Lasagna, and Henry, <laughs> Winning Smile. Also his scarf, because scarf. Yeah. Things villains do. Chuckle. Steeple fingers, <laughs> pace, laugh maniacally, maniacal laugh, scheme, fume slash rant, act harshly regarding henchmen, and there's a little footnote that points to hench people or hench persons, gotta be gender neutral, and be mean. Be mean. Things villains like mayhem and lactose. Oh. Lactose? Lactose? 
Like as in milk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess anything containing they lactose. They are lactose tolerant. Very. Cheese. Yummy melted cheese. Plus, if you think about it from a villain's perspective, the lactose intolerant, very funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> I shall given thwart lactose. your plan with this cup of milk. <laughs> Fools! <laughs> Those apples were laced with lactose. You'll be in the bathroom for days. <laughs> now it makes total sense. <laughs> We also had a list of themes, which were three different quotations. Uh, One from Buddha. It is a man's own mind, not his enemy or foe, that lures him to evil ways. We also got a quote from Mae West. When choosing between two evils, I always like to try the one I've never tried before. Okay. And a quotation from Evil Knievel that said, evil schmevel. (laughs) Evil Knievel. They got less relevant as they went, but the first one's pretty relevant to the show. The Buddha one, that's pretty relevant to a theme of the show, for sure. They also had another board. That was just one board. Oh, my gosh. They had another there was board. another board. There were three boards in this room. The other, Another board was kind of like the good guys and story plot thing. They had a diagram showing... Story act, plot thing? <laughs> act 1, Act 2, Act 3, Act 4, Act 5, Act 6. Under Act 1, it says problem. Act 2... Escalation Act Three. <laughs> Act Three. Henry in danger. <laughs> well, at least they recognize that they have a pattern. That's awesome. Act Four. Fight. Resolution and Coda Palooza. Huh? I-, I couldn't see what was under Act Five. And Act Six. It has a big outlined note that says six acts is too long for really effective storytelling. (laughs) Now, which of their stories have had six acts? (laughs) I think they all do. (laughs) There was also a list of characteristics. I'm guessing it was something like personality traits of heroes, something like that. But it was this following list. Slinky, chipper, peppy, preppy, suspicious, whimsical, optimistic, hip, perky, terrified, and unmotivated. Wow. Which character comes to your mind first for Slinky? Go. Uh, I'm thinking of Toy Story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> Nobody came to my head for that. Oh, okay. Blue Fairy. Thought <laughs> uh, you would. Because she, like, slinks around and is all bad and evil secretly. You need the Blue Fairy. Here I am. I feel like mostly she flaps around and kind of floats and is generally pleasant and perhaps even a little bit regal. I think we're watching two different blue fairies. I think so. (laughs) One is on the screen and the other's in your head. (laughs) There was also a list of notes for castles, Gothic, Romanesque, and Nathan Fillion. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Bad. And a list of evil places, Hell, Hades, Airplane, in parentheses, Babies, the Valley, <laughs> Pit of Despair, Sarlock Pit, and Detroit. Yeah. They forgot and, Burning Red Room. And in parentheses, Recovering. Oh, oh, that's not nice. Poor Detroit. So not nice. And they have a list of new fairy tales that I didn't, I couldn't read all of them, but the two that stood out were The Tallest Dwarf, a.k.a. The Normal Sized Guy. <laughs> and Peg, the princess with the wooden leg. <laughs> I feel like they made both of those up. <laughs> yeah, I think so. 
And on the last board, there was a list of food items, sushi, burgers, tacos, falafel, and fondue. Falafel. Fondue was crossed falafel. out. Falafel. falafel. yeah. <laughs> so we can expect sushi, falafel, and fondue next season? The, these are season themes, yeah. Chocolate fondue? Maybe. Well, if you remember in the first season, it was all about the hot chocolate with cinnamon and then the biscuits with butter or gravy. Oh, yeah. So. Let's see. I think this might have just been a list of their lunch options because they were pretty all about the lunch. Oh, it tasted good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that fondue might play in pretty heavily with Elsa and the whole frozen thing. Yeah, I think you're I mean, right. think about it. Fondue is hot. Oh, and that was totally in. Yes, it was in the movie. Fondue oh, yeah. chocolate. I have a really, really burning important question about Ooh. this writer's room segment for Did Daniel. Did you drop fondue yes. on yourself? Did you notice a timeline and or family tree? No. That is a huge disappointment. Yeah. They mentioned timeline in, uh, Kitsis and Horowitz did in their commentary of the season finale. They talked about, or just mentioned something like, on our timeline, this places it. Uh, we would then move on to such and such. But yeah, no, there was nothing serious in this boardroom. There were lost references. <laughs> there were red apples. They did have rules of time travel. Then this is the last thing that I saw on a board. Five rules of time travel. Don't kill ancestors. Descendants, okay. <laughs> no butterfly death. And there was a big star next to this one. It said, kill Hitler, okay. <laughs> Bring gifts to robot overlords, future only. And avoid false popes, 14th century only. <laughs> and that was everything I could read on the writer's boards, uh, the boards in the writer's room. We'll have screenshots of these in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 154. This segment was kind of like, I don't know if anyone's watched the special features on the Frozen Blu-ray, but there's one where it's supposed to be going behind the scenes of Frozen and finding out how Frozen was made. <laughs> and it's a music video with right. Kristen Bell dancing in it. And then at the very end, it's like, we want to know how to make Frozen. We don't know. And that was the end. <laughs> right. This is kind of exactly the same thing. The inside look at the writer's room. Not really. <laughs> yeah, the the case, it says, enter the writer's secret chambers and discover how the magic happens. That makes it sound like, yeah, oh, this, this is going to be cool. But I mean, it was yeah. cool. It was funny, but not as Completely staged. And yeah. you can tell they're not actors. <laughs> right. Can I make another observation about the case since we're talking about it? Yes. Oh, are we going to talk about the DVD case? Uh, that picture... I I have an issue with that cover. It is from season. It is like it's from yeah. pre season one. Like, could we not have found a picture that was from season three? I'm sure they like. I know there was the whole fla- f- fiasco. I almost said falafel. Fiasco. <laughs> it was so you're just saying falafel. There was. I know there was the whole fiasco with the pictures being released and photoshopped and blah blah blah. But I know they took some. Like there could have been a uh, the Jolly Roger on the cover of that would have yeah. been epic. Well, there's actually a bit of a story behind why it's this cover. A year ago, before we got season three, the official ABC account for once upon a time on facebook gave fans three options of pictures and we weren't told what it was for just that we needed to pick a picture and that it would be like the official season three picture and so you had regina with the apple you had regina i think with hook's hook and then you had just the hook 
and fans had to vote for which picture they preferred. It became Regina and the Apple, and then, lo and behold, that became the DVD cover. Okay, well, I take issue with all three of those options (laughs) and that as a way of choosing a DVD cover that people are spending a lot of money to buy and own and put on their shelf. (laughs) I have ranted quite extensively about this. If you're looking at the other seasons, it's like season one is, you know, just very basic. It's kind of castle and storybook. Yeah. And everybody's little headshot. Then season two, everybody understands instantly. It's all purpley. It has purple smoke in storybook. And you see the Jolly Roger on season two. True. It's Emma and Jolly Roger back and forth on the lenticular cover. Right. And then so if I just had to look at season one and season two, and then having seen season three, I just sort of made a guess about what the cover would be. I would think it would be green, not red. And I would think that it would have one of the, because there were maybe more, it felt like there were more promo images of season three than we'd had in the past. And I would think that it would be, you know, one of the ones maybe from the inside, like the island or, but both, both seasons felt like the color of the year was green or both halves of the season. Definitely. So why not? Maybe they're, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Again, not to, not to criticize people and doing their jobs, but. But between Whoa. that and the like, the back looks very <laughs> season three ish. But but yeah, then the copy on the back, like we said, not even addressing the first half except to spoil it. It's I don't know. I think it it feels like an afterthought. Yeah, I've seen some fan made DVD covers that manage to incorporate <laughs> people do that all the characters. Yeah. Oh, they're oh, yeah. usually better than <laughs> they're the about a thousand ones. times better than what ABC comes up with. They should be hired. Though. That managed to incorporate all the characters. It had Skull Rock. It had it was green. You know, it it felt like it was a season that actually took us to Neverland and to Oz. And, you know, we had this really big cast and not everybody is represented on the front cover. It makes it look like Regina is a villain again. And season three was her hero season. And speaking of villains, we don't see either Zelina or Peter Pan anywhere on the promo images or any of the imagery for the case. Which could be a little bit, I mean, if I were, if I were to give some credit i would say that makes it a little less spoilery than it could be except for the back <laughs> well right exactly image wise spoilery for people who can't read because the, the first time we meet peter pan we don't necessarily know unless we've right. been spoiled that he is peter pan so it's kind of nice to not have that given away maybe yeah some of you can't relate i know you know the the last <laughs> critical thing i think i'll say here about this <laughs> constructive criticism is it seems like the Blu-ray exclusive has been less and less valuable or interesting Mm. or informative. Like you look at season one and the season one Blu-ray exclusive was once upon a time origins. That's when it was Josh Dallas narrating and it says travel back through the centuries with Josh Dallas to uncover the rich historical origin of the classical fairy tales for season two. The bonus feature was A Fractured Family Tree, narrated by Sarah Hyland of ABC's Modern Family. Go deep into the roots of the show's twisted fairy tale family. Remember all the cool stuff that was brought out in that and everything. And also, audio commentary to The Miller's Daughter. That was a Blu-ray exclusive on season two. On season three, the Blu-ray exclusive is Inside the Writer's Room. Right. A little comedy skit they do. Mm -hmm. And some deleted scenes. And Mm. the Blu-rays are... I don't know about there because we get gouged for 
any electronic <laughs> type thing up here. The Blu-rays here, I believe, are $54.99 for mm. the season. And last year, they ABC gave a coupon for $15 off if you bought it the first week that it was released. I don't know if they did this year because I've been away all summer. So I haven't been like in a place where I'm printing off coupons to go to Best Buy to buy seasons of the show. But um, this year, like it seems the price is super high. The features are much shorter. It's like I usually buy it the first week that it's out. And I, I don't know when I'm going to buy it this year because, A, it's really expensive. I want the Blu-rays because I have the other two seasons. And it seems like, you know, it's not really, there's not that much extra to make it worth that much more. Oh, and in the chat room, Matthew Paul, one of our other forum moderators, is pointing out that another Blu-ray exclusive, and this isn't listed as an exclusive, but the finale commentary with Kitsis and Horowitz is not on the DVD version. Oh, right. Oh, But that's okay. not pointed out on the Blu-ray case. Yeah, well, you know, and, and usually probably for some, the primary reason to get Blu-ray instead of DVD is the resolution and yeah. the clarity. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, season three just hit Netflix as well. So anybody who's already on Netflix has the episodes. Mm. And keep an eye out for any place that's doing exclusives, like Target and Best Buy have done exclusive stuff before. If you can, get the Blu-ray and then get something that's exclusive. Otherwise, please order through our link through Amazon. That helps support the podcast. Go to oncepodcast.com slash season three, and you can order there. And if you don't have seasons one and two, then just oncepodcast.com slash season one or slash season two, and that'll take you to those links, and you'll be able to purchase through our affiliate link and support the podcast that way. So something interesting that occurred to me as we were watching, and it's been, you know, I haven't spent my summer rewatching Once Upon a Time. <laughs> I don't know about everybody else, but watching some of the the scenes and the recaps and little things that they stuck in while people were talking in interviews and things, I realized that of the two halves, my favorite was actually the Neverland half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Definitely. That's good because I've, I've, I'm I'm glad I'm not alone because I've heard you know I've heard different people say they didn't like that part and I thought they were a little crazy. But sorry to anybody who thinks that and I think you're crazy. I liked it in hindsight once we had watched the entire season mm-hmm. because I thought Peter Pan first off was a much better villain. I liked the individual arcs of each of the characters more because I thought everybody had something to do that was relevant. Whereas in the second half of the season, it kind of felt like Snow and Charming took a big break and became the comic relief. (laughs) And that wasn't okay with me. (laughs) The boring parents. Yeah. They kind of played off that even. Yeah. The only thing that I thought was a little bit better about the second half of season three as compared to the first was it was very hard to see in Neverland because of how dark it was all the time. But I was willing to live with that. I know. I couldn't figure out why. I kept waiting for the eternal nighttime to mean something. But I think it was just easier to make it look convincing at night. Probably. The only thing I didn't like about the Neverland storyline is what they sacrificed of their plan for season two to make it happen. That's true. That was my big... Like, I love Queen of Hearts. That's one of my top five episodes ever. But... In you don't know when you're first watching that, that that's not how it was supposed to go at all. And that that was totally like kind of thrown together. And 
it was all to get them back to Storybrooke to have a mediocre second half of the season to <laughs> build up to this big Neverland thing. Hmm. So I really liked the first half of season three a lot better than the second half, but I still am not totally okay with how they sacrificed their original plan for it. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, don't waste your time looking for Easter eggs. Again, there aren't any. There were only (laughs) Easter eggs on the first season disc. I think it was, if I remember correctly, an Easter egg that showed August Booth. Yeah. In season one? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that was the special there with Pinocchio as an adult. Oh, there were like, weren't there like nine in season one all over the place? Oh, yeah, that's right. They were scattered all over. But here, no Easter eggs. Also on season two, no Easter eggs. And Matthew Paul is also pointing it out in the chat room. But we did have some other nice pieces here. Uh, They had this thing called Wicked Villains that talked about the motivation behind the villainry. villainy, (laughs) And (laughs) also just talking about how the villains have developed and evolved or matured and their motivations. Things like they don't think they're villains. They think they're doing a kind of right thing and they know everyone else sees them as a villain that kind of stuff is neat to see and they they especially talked about rumpelstiltskin regina and Zelina, and captain hook kind of or at least they had nice little animations that said those names and then they took talked about all of the villains again except peter pan <laughs> yeah yeah they showed something from when robbie <laughs> k was there and they also showed rumpelstiltskin's father during that scene when he let Rumple go for the shadow. But nothing about Peter Pan. Okay, I got to get off that soapbox. <laughs> Maybe it's because I just, because of the theme of that segment, the villains, was that, you know, something terrible happens to them. Like, it, that's a quote. Something changes them and they become villains. And they've even talked about, like, Emma or Jennifer Morrison said a really good quote when she was talking about Rumpel, like that he was just rejected and rejected so many times. And obviously now it's easy for you to understand why he's not making the best choices. But I think we even discussed this in the podcast. That's not the case for Peter Pan. Yeah. He did not have that to fall back on for the bad choices that he made. Like he was just really evil. You know, and to be fair, when I'm talking about they didn't talk much about Peter Pan, they did have the commentary with Bobby Carlisle, David H. Goodman, and Robert Hull about the episode Think Lovely Thoughts, which was the episode where Malcolm becomes Peter Pan. Mm. So there is that commentary. That was, at least they chose an episode like that, a very iconic Peter Pan Mm -hmm. episode to discuss. We also got a teaser for a movie coming out, an awesome little teaser. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> for Cinderella coming out March 2015. That was really cool that uh, it's the glass slipper just panning around the glass slipper and showing it. Great. Mm-hmm. You know, every story needs a memorable detail. <laughs> so why not focus on it as the teaser trailer? Yeah, Daniel, that's been out for a couple months now. Yeah, I'd actually never seen that. I get press releases from Disney and this is one that they didn't send me. And so, yeah, I knew it'd been out for a while, but this was actually the first time I'd seen it. But if you haven't seen it, it's on the discs. It's also on YouTube. And it's literally just panning the glass slipper. But it's really cool. And there are several glints that just nail it. (laughs) (laughs) I really want that as a poster. I just want that as the poster. Like the slipper? 
Yeah. Yeah, the glass slipper oh, all I'm lit sure up. I, Another piece on the Blu-ray and DVD is The Tale of Ariel. And it's uh, talking about Johanna Garcia Swisher and some of her experience becoming Ariel. And I didn't realize that she just had a baby before she right. filmed with Once Upon a Time. I did not know that either. Yep. She looked great. Yeah, Eduardo Castro did some great things with the costume. And she said that, too, that she basically really liked how they made her look after she had just had a baby and she felt like she looked great. And awesome behind-the-scenes thing. She can't swim. Right. That was hilarious. <laughs> how does Ariel not swim? Yeah. And Snow White, or uh, Jenny Goodwin, doesn't like water. Right. <laughs> she, yeah, she, um, when they told her that Ariel was coming, Jenny Goodwin begged Adam and Eddie to not make her be part of that storyline because she didn't want to get wet. And then it turns out that Ariel's connection is to snow and she had to spend an entire day being drenched with a hose <laughs> to look wet. In the cold Canadian. <laughs> yeah, in the cold know. Canadian weather. I'm guessing that has part of her hate is the temperature that she had to do that in. And I feel like she spent more time underwater on this show than maybe any other <laughs> character. If we think about season, uh, gosh, right. my, maybe the siren when she yeah, was, man, under my the brain, water. it's all whirled up in a green tornado. <laughs> she's either underwater or on fire. <laughs> and next, this year she's going to, there's something else that's going to happen to her. She could just find a balance. I don't know if we're allowed to say the word of what's coming this year. So. Well, who hasn't heard that? Oh, we know because it was in the finale. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm guessing she's going to be drenched in water that is below zero degrees. <laughs> 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 Man, you're you're kind of on thin ice. Ha, ha, ha. True love will melt it, though. <laughs> A, an act of true Gosh. love. Yeah. And warm hugs. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we are going to do a review of Frozen before season four comes. Yeah, so on September 17th, we'll be recording that live. That's Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time over at onespodcast.com slash live. Please send us your feedback on what you liked and thought about the movie Frozen. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely watch it before the fourth season of Once Upon a Time comes. And send us your feedback. Email it to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can also send a voice message through the website oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device. We also had several deleted scenes on the mm. discs, and I can't tell which of these were Blu-ray and which were DVD. I'm, I'm sure our community knows, but I only had the Blu-ray to work off of. But we had deleted scenes from Nasty Habits, Good Form, Going Home, Witch Hunt, The Tower, It's Not Easy Being Green, and There's No Place Like Home. And some of them were very sweet. Yes. Can I talk about one that really, really, really needed to stay in the episode? Yeah. If they wanted me to be a happy person. <laughs> I think I know which one you're talking about. Because I saw the deleted scene of Henry and Emma from the episode 316, It's Not Easy Being Green. Emma comes into their room at Granny's, and Henry has the swan pendant and um, wants to hear about his dad and wants to hear about sort of how 
Emma got this swan pendant and that moment needed to be in that show. <laughs> okay. Henry just lost his father the episode before. If you mm. wanted me to not like rage for a while about Henry not knowing his dad when he died, you needed to like leave that scene in for me. That was an important scene. I liked the scene. I liked the um, warm and fuzzies of it, but the, like the sentiment of it, but the swan necklace was a huge goof to me. So I was glad they took it out because Emma gave that back to Neil, right? And then... No, he gave it to her. He gave it to her in Tallahassee. And she gave it back to him. He carried it to the Enchanted Forest. He came back with it from the Enchanted Forest. He gave it to her as he dies and says, find Tallahassee. Well, then I forgot that detail. And she was she was wearing it at the funeral and was holding it before she put the dirt over his coffin. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a nice way to open and close. To me, that episode, you open with the funeral and her mourning him and this memory that's attached to this swan necklace. And then she gives it to Henry. It really needed to be in that episode. Yes, I take back what I said. I totally forgot. One of the other scenes that I think it's good that they didn't include it, but yet it was a nice nod to another story, was the first deleted scene from Nasty Habits. Mr. Van (laughs) Winkle is in it, and Rumpel puts him to sleep and takes something from his belt. And that's not a fairy tale. That is an American short story about a soldier that falls asleep for a very, very long time, wakes up to discover (laughs) that the world is completely different around him. That was the most random scene I have ever seen on one time. (laughs) Yes. I was like, what is this? Why is Rumpelstiltskin chasing Rip Van Winkle through a wood? The only reason why I wish... Well, I see why they (laughs) deleted it, but the only reason I miss it from the series is that it was a nod to another story, and that's it which they could have done in many other ways. From the episode Good Form, they had a spot with Hook offering a helping hand or a helping Hook to David as they're trying to climb Dead Man's Peak. And I can see why they removed it, because it looked like Hook was momentarily considering killing Prince Charming. I agree. And also it was just a very long, drawn-out sequence. Yeah, and then there was a weird angle where it just looked really unsteep. Yeah. (laughs) And from the episode Going Home, there's a spot they labeled this Father of the Bride that we see Henry Sr. and Regina in a flashback talking just before they move to the castle to be with King Leopold. And she's really sad about losing the love of her life and saying that her dream was true love. And she basically ends it by saying, I will never love again and no one will ever love me. I think that would have been great to see yeah, because that really sets up the inner struggle that Regina has had in loving Robin. It also sets up, even though it happened before this, in The Doctor when Regina has to, again, like kind of kill Daniel, she said, I love you. And he says, then love again. Yeah. And that's we haven't really heard that wording before. So they took it kind of right out of there. I really liked that scene between her and Henry Sr. I did too. I also think it sets up what's happening in present day Storybrooke between Regina and Henry Jr. as she has to sacrifice seeing Henry ever again. And Henry tells her, you know, you're not a villain, you're my mom. And that he loves her. So I thought that was probably where they were going to place that scene. In the episode Witch Hunt... 
there was a scene that showed a thank you note from Regina. It was written to Snow. It said, the day we met, I saved your life. Thank you for trying to save mine. I think maybe the reason why they removed that is they wanted to leave in the surprise factor that Regina didn't plan on returning from going to see and try and stop Zelina in the castle back in present day Enchanted Forest, but flashback one year ago. Yeah. Plus, uh, David didn't sound particularly smart. He practically spells the whole thing. I was like, why a note? Why, why would she not just tell you when she gets back? Like, she's definitely going to do what, because she's definitely coming back, practically. From the episode The Tower, four very awkward minutes between <laughs> Zelina and Belle. Oh my gosh, that was... <laughs> <laughs> wise editing choices were made before that episode came out <laughs> but a good scene for the extras yeah. true well acted very emotional i'm sure the rumpels will be very happy with it and we then do know from that scene at least that yes zelina did unfreeze bell when <laughs> zelina went to steal the uh, the root Right. From the episode, It's Not Easy Being Green, we got two deleted scenes. One was Zelina using the power of the dagger to force Rumple to eat meat pies. Meat pie, <laughs> his favorite. And then the other scene was that one of Emma and Henry talking about the necklace and about to tell the story of how Emma got the necklace. From There's No Place Like Home, we get two deleted scenes. One of them is Emma being brought to the Evil Queen. This was supposed to be kind of a lead-in to remind us of how Emma was captured, but they realized they didn't really need to show us that. And we get to hear her called Princess Leia again and see the fake Princess Leia in a mirror again. And, and Regina smells Emma. <laughs> and it says nice. you're no princess? <laughs> yeah, that was not not nice <laughs> and the other scene is as snow white is held captive red is leading everyone out of regina's castle and there's some dialogue with red about snow staying behind to go after the evil queen and they cut that out understandably so i think there was a line in that scene that i felt was kind of awkward too it was like she said uh like, I can tell when people are lying, and you, sister, are. Because it was the same line from the pilot that she said to Henry. Uh, yeah. But then she's calling Ruby's sister, which is what Leroy usually does. And she doesn't say yeah. that ever. So it was silly. It was a little bit like, oh my gosh, we know about superpower. You don't have to say <laughs> it every time you use it. That can be a little thing for people who are actually fans of the series to just know. The bloopers were really fun. A lot of quick <laughs> bloopers and silly little yeah. things that were fun, but I think, Jacqueline, you're probably thinking the same thing I am, so you tell me what your thoughts are. My first thought is that this was, I think, about a minute and a half to two minutes shorter than our normal bloopers for the past <laughs> two seasons, which was really disappointing, but the bigger issue is that it it just felt like it was the actors horsing around and making mm -hmm. funny noises. There wasn't a lot in the way of bloopers like we're used to for the past two seasons. Does it say bloopers or gag reel? The fairest bloopers of them oh, all. it does say bloopers. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say there's a distinction, but they didn't make it. <laughs> I would love to have seen it with like that being in like a very serious moment and right. someone completely messing up a line and just bursting out laughing. Yeah. Like right. Those are, those to me are bloopers. This was just a gag reel. Yeah. 
Yeah, when that's I what buy, they usually do, but I do. I miss old school bloopers. <laughs> the first thing I do when I buy a series on DVD or Blu-ray is find <laughs> the special features disc that has the bloopers in it. <laughs> unless I have not already seen the season, because then they're spoilers. But And I put it in, and I watch the bloopers. And <laughs> I loved the season one bloopers of Once Upon a Time. Yeah. I, don't, yes. I don't recall whether I had an affinity specifically for the season two ones, but... These ones were just, it was so short. Like, aren't they usually like five minutes? This was They're normally one? about three and a half minutes to four minutes long. On yeah. this show, I guess. I know, like, other shows, they're even longer. Anyway, I I love bloopers, and it was cute, but I, I felt like that's a good intro, and then right. some actual bloopers would have been good. Yeah. Yeah, it feels a little bit like a lot of stuff with the third season discs was rushed, and omitted in favor of getting this out quickly or cheaply. But still, I would say this is worth owning. If you're a fan of the show, it's worth owning It is this. still all the episodes of the season, which is really kind of why we're all here, <laughs> technically speaking. And the fun commentary as well. Which you're not going to see that commentary show up on YouTube or something like that. Unlike these other mm, videos are probably. on YouTube already in places. Oh, they're already there. I've seen yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> so wrong for now we do have a lot of notes about the commentaries though over at the forum if anyone is interested yeah we'll have some links to those in the show notes for this episode at onespodcast.com slash 154 and if you go there to the show notes please comment on the show notes to let us know what you thought of the discs if you got the dvd or the blu-ray what do you think of the extra features the commentary also join the forums over at onespodcast.com slash forums we got a piece of feedback in from Meredith from Washington about the uh, discs, and she said, Here are my thoughts. I just got the Ordinary DVD, not the Blu-ray. I wish there had been commentary on Quiet Minds. To me, Neil's <laughs> death was such a big event that it needed addressing. And Jacqueline, I'm sure you would agree with that. They can just play yeah. our episode following that. <laughs> episode over top of it and that's your commentary just except play. you're gonna have to repeat the episode a couple of times to sort of span the length of our podcast yeah <laughs> yeah uh but kitsis and horwitz did refer to that as being one of the biggest things in season three mm -hmm. in their commentary for the finale because that that was the finale episode that had the part where emma and neil are at that kind of abandoned fairgrounds place mm -hmm. and they start talking and they talk about why they put that scene in and that they wanted to have neil there since his death was such a big issue they talked about that there but yeah a commentary on quiet minds could have been cool i wish there was commentary on every episode <laughs> right or at least like maybe they should watch the once podcast forums and then when there's a thousand pages of post about one episode that's the one you do a commentary. <laughs> That's yes. true. ABC, you can feel free to message me and ask what commentaries you think you need. I swear I will literally just tell you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I will be very happy to do so. She won't just pick Rumple episodes. No, I won't. I swear I won't. I will give you the episodes that are going to generate the most feedback and conversation. Well, speaking of feedback and conversation, please remember to keep our feedback contact information handy for you to send in your theories on the episodes of the show when it comes back. We've got it coming back at the end of September with the fourth season. Get ready to be frozen. You're going to want that hot cocoa when you're watching it. 
and send us your feedback to feedback at com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device. And especially send us your feedback on Frozen, what you thought of Frozen, if this is your first time watching or your 20th time watching it before <laughs> Once Upon a Time returns. Oh, oh dear. I, I could not <laughs> listen to Let It Go that many times. I think. I'm pretty sure I've listened to it at least that many times. <laughs> at least. <laughs> at least. And we would love your comments on that. Please also connect with us. We've got many different places you connect with us online, including you can now subscribe to the podcast by email to receive an email whenever there's a new episode, in addition to special announcements, letting you know what's coming, some cool things that we'll be doing. That's all at oncepodcast.com. Don't leave yet, because if you want to hear some spoilers, Hunter and Jacqueline have some that they'll share after the close of the podcast. But please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast, and you can connect with each of us individually. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. I'm Hunter on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline on Twitter at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. This podcast would not be possible without your kind donations and the support of several people helping us. So big thanks to our team of volunteers to make this possible. Corbin for sorting our feedback, Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline for providing spoilers, Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Jacob for help with screenshots, Keb for managing our timeline, recently updated, check it out, Aliascape and Aaron J moderating the chat room, Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline for co-hosting this podcast with me, and for you being part of this great community. Until next time, have a happy ever after, and thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our contributors to this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to be one of them and help keep the podcast going and help us cover the expenses of running the podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor to make a monthly donation, per-episode donation, or a one-time donation. Your choice over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, everyone. I am Hunter. And I'm Jacqueline. And we have your spoilers for Once Podcast. Let's start with episode titles. Excellent. Okay, so we already did one, two, and three? Yes. Okay. So, episode four, what is it? Episode four is called The Apprentice, and it is written by Andrew Chambliss and Diana Horgon, who is a new writer on the show. Okay, episode five is Breaking Glass, and it's written by Kalinda, Catalinda Vasquez and Scott Niemfro. Yeah, who's another new writer, by the way. I just want to make sure I got that right, because I was typing it, and I may have misspelled it, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and then episode 306 is titled Family Business, and it is written by Kalinda Vasquez and Andrew Chambliss. Yes, Okay, so I'm very excited. We've got six episodes they've been working on. They did come out with an extended season synopsis. Um, mm-hmm. Did you want me to read it all? 
maybe the highlights? Okay, well, I'm not going to read the whole thing because the first half just describes what happened in the first three seasons. Yeah. But pretty much it's that you'll, you never give up, give up on the people that you love. The storybook residents do not know what Elsa has in store for them. Back in the past in Elsa's kingdom of Arendelle, we will discover what happened to her, her sister, Anna, and Kristoff, and how and why Elsa became a prisoner of Rumpelstiltskin. And it just goes on from there. So we get to meet all these people. Will Scarlet, a former member of Robin Hood's Band of Merry Men, has traveled across many lands to make his way to Storybrooke. He finds himself intertwined in the going-ons in town from for the first time as his mysterious past pushes him to an unknown future. Yes, and speaking of Will Scarlet, it was told by Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis that Will is going to have a bit of a backstory with Hook and that their relationship is somehow sort of testy, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that the way that Will will be introduced to the show will be in such a way that people who did not watch Wonderland are not going to be confused, which when you think about Anastasia, I'm not quite sure, but either they're going to ignore Anastasia altogether or something has happened to her. I'm not sure yet. Or they kind of talk about it and they tell you about it. Yeah. Like the love of my, I'm not saying that this is what happened because I don't know, but like the love of my life, Anastasia tragically died in whatever accident. Right. But short story is Anna's not coming to once. Um, okay, we have got a lot of set photos. They keep coming oh, out with yeah. new ones. Any of them that stand out to you that you want to talk about? Let's go ahead and talk about Elizabeth Mitchell. Um, uh-huh. We announced on our last podcast that Elizabeth Mitchell would be coming to Once Upon a Time in a surprise role that nobody really knew what she was playing. I'm going to go ahead and say that we have like 99.5% confirmation that she's going to be playing the original Snow Queen. Okay. Um, The set photos that we got from her about maybe two weeks ago show her in full costume. She's wearing a gold gown with snowflakes all over it, and she has what I think is a giant snowflake pendant. So she is at least probably the Snow Queen. Jury is still out on whether or not she is Elsa and Anna's mother. But she is pretty. She, the dress is gorgeous. Yeah, the dress looks really nice. And besides her being in the full white gown, we also see her walking down the street with Granny and Archie. Mm-hmm. So she's got some connection with them. She was also, I believe, chasing after Emma. And this is around episode four. She was chasing after Emma, and it seemed like they might have a confrontation. And we do see a photo of Emma running into an alley with her gun drawn and yelling, why the hell are you following me? Yes. So maybe they all intertwine and go together. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of set photos, there are some new ones out of Captain Hook, and he is in his new outfit. Yes. Um, it is basically black leather, but it's a modern black leather. His coat is much shorter. And the reason why I'm mentioning the coat is because while he's on set wearing it and filming, he has two hands. Yes, we do see him with a vest, a button-down shirt, the leather jacket, and leather pants. And in one of the photos, he has bloody knuckles on his, what I put, hook hand. Yeah, and if you want to sort of segue into 
the other piece of spoiler news with Hook, it's that he and Rumpelstiltskin are going to be back at each other's throat, apparently. Their old history will be coming back up. And rumors from people who were on set watching the filming make it sound like Hook is blackmailing Rumpel. And I'm not sure if it's for his hand or what that's about, but it sounds like it's Hook versus Rumpel again. Um, let's see here. We've got um, photos of Robin Hood, Marion, and the son Roland walking around Storybrooke together, but no Regina in sight. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like Emma and the neighbor are spying. There was one. It looked really cute. Yeah. I know what you're um, talking about. Yeah. And then we've got... Hook and Emma kissing again. And there were so many details about just this one little scene. It says Hook initiated it and it lasted 10 seconds. People are really, (laughs) really hooked on this. The scene in question, it sounds like it might be the end of an argument. As if Emma has sort of stormed away and Hook goes chasing after her and kisses her in the middle of the street as if to end an argument. I'm not sure what's going on yet. But it piece of the dialogue sounded like hook says to emma you need to trust me so to go with the set photos we did see a couple of promos coming out and we do get to see Belle in her big yellow dress in the ballroom scene <laughs> they're dancing yes <laughs> it's, it's what i around. wanted since season one <laughs> I, it's, it's it is my happy thought from now until september 28th that's what's going to keep me going is that maybe i'm actually going to get the beauty and the beast dancing scene I, it looks like you're going to get it yeah. Hallelujah. So. <laughs> Speaking okay. of Belle, mm-hmm. it was announced that we will be meeting her mother. Yes, we will. And her mom is going to be appearing in episode six. Correct. And I know as of the 19th of August, they had yet to cast her. Yeah, they haven't cast her as of today, but they are filming episode six. So I expect that a casting announcement will probably be coming out soon. Um, when we do our Frozen review, we should probably have that for you by that point. So, one, like I said, there will be some good things of people coming back. Um, or people might be happy. Kristen Bauer Van Stratton will be back as Maleficent during the second half of the season as a reoccurring guest star. Yeah, this piece of news kind of shocked me quite a bit. Remember that this is for the second half of the season, guys. And they don't make announcements like this this early on yeah like we haven't even watched episode 401 yet and this this is for episodes that will be airing in like starting March. starting like um episode 412 413 somewhere around there yeah. that's starting so we don't know in what role and like what how big she's going to be coming back but she will be back as maleficent but it did say recurring guest star so that does mean we will see her a couple times yeah, I, I think she's probably going to play a big role if they're announcing it now. Yeah, so that's exciting. And then we also have, okay, I'm going to butcher this last name because I really can't say it. Brad Dorf? Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, you will remember him as the old beggar slash, slash Zoso the Dark One. He will be mm-hmm. back. Yes, and... That's for episode uh, 304, sorry, 404, we're in the fourth season now, 404, <laughs> um, The Apprentice, which probably means that it's a Rumple backstory. The Apprentice, so maybe mm-hmm. it's the whole learning how to use the dark magic, I don't know. That's all the casting news I had, did you have any more? 
I don't have a specific casting news, but we do know that Henry is getting a girlfriend. <laughs> and they they are casting the role of Lily. They're calling her Lily. I don't know if it's going to stay Lily. Um, but she's described as young and kind of anti-authoritative, anti-authoritative, like punkish. And that she is going to sort of be Henry's first girlfriend. But they uh-huh. haven't told us who has been cast as that yet. Well, as soon as we know, we'll let you guys know. I just had some general information as well um, that I found out. Some general spoilers. So we already know that the Frozen is going to take place after the movie. Anna and Kristoff are planning their wedding. But <laughs> I love the joke. Did you read the joke that Adam and Eddie said about where they're registered? No. Oh, he said that they're that they're registered at Wandering Oaken's Trading Post in Sana. Of course. <laughs> um, it was asked if they're going to have any family ties to anyone in Storybrooke, and Adam and Eddie said that they will go on the record saying that they are not going to reveal that. For example, Elsa is somebody's sister, so they just want to make it clear that they're not throwing another surprise relative like that in there. Right. And then. Oh, Hans, Prince Hans of the Southern Isles. He is, they're saying that he is character. He has not been redeemed and he is a sociopath. And he's still feeling the weight of being the youngest of 12 brothers. And there's a good chance we're going to see some of his brothers in the show. Right. But I love the fact that he's a sociopath and they clearly state it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Do you think he's the reason that Elsa was in the phase? In the urn. Urn? Yeah. Possibly. Although I don't know why Rumple would have it. Because he's a collector of things. I don't know. That's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I did find an article from Entertainment Weekly. You don't really find out anything new because they only answered yes, no, and oh, we can't yeah. say. So like, I, ign- any- I ignored that article once I read it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, other than that, that's all I've got. Well, that's it for tonight. I'm Hunter. You can find me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can find me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. And until next time, guys, thanks.